Let me ask you this. When being a Christian is unpopular, when it's difficult and it leads to you being an outcast, being laughed at and treated really ugly, when that happens when you're a born-again believer and a Christian, what do we do? Now that's when it gets tough. See, many people today want Christianity to make them feel good, but they don't want the Christianity that will make them good. Ooh, that was so good, I might need to write that down myself. Y'all come on now, help me out this morning. Today's Christianity wants to be something that I can get a little good feeling on Sunday, but don't let it involve me on Monday. Unless it's just going to bless me a little bit and I'm going to feel the, the favor of God on my hands on Monday, then that's the Christianity I want. That's what's popular in our culture. But I'm here to bring you some truth today. I'm here to tell you that that is a watered-down version of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not have it easy. Jesus had it hard. So if you think becoming a Christian and following Him is going to be easy, you better strap up and buckle up this morning. I'm about to bring you some truth. The question today is, what is the earmark? What is that thing that makes a true follower of Christ and believer in Jesus, what sets them apart? from all those who say they're Christians. Because there's plenty of people right now in this world that if you ask them, yeah, I'm a Christian. But when you dig down deep, you may find their Christianity is only in word. Their Christianity is only in heritage. And they do not have a real relationship with Christ. So we're going to dig into this today. We're, we're still in Colossians, so you can go ahead and open up to the book of Colossians. Somebody asked me today, why in the world are we dealing with this guy by the name of Aristarchus? Well, I'll tell you why we're dealing with Aristarchus. He's the next one on the list in Colossians chapter 4. That's why he's on the list for today. This is a man you haven't heard much about. I don't even know if you've even tried to pronounce his name before, so let's try that together. This side here. Help me out here. Aristarchus. That was pretty good. you got a lot to live up to. They did well. Aristarchus. Aristarchus is a man we have not... Some of you probably have never heard the name, much less know anything about him. But Aristarchus is one of my favorite characters that Paul mentions here in chapter 4. Because Paul, this man understood from Paul, and he saw it in Paul's life, and he ingrained it into his own that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. As a matter of fact, I would rephrase that for this man and for Paul, for other followers we may read in Scripture, is this. When the going gets tough, the Christ follower keeps on going. They don't back down. They don't compromise their faith. They don't be quiet. They continue to live that life. The book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul to a, a church that's in Colossae. That is a city. He had lots of friends, Paul did, in this city. And today, we're so used to communicating quickly and easily, we take for granted what was involved in this letter. See, we can text someone and immediately begin a conversation or tell someone something. But in this day, for Paul to get these words to this man, it was 1,300 miles 1,300 miles that he had to communicate this letter to this city church. 
Now, you may think 1,300 miles is a long way. But that'd be a long way in a car today or a plane. But it would take them 29 straight hours today if they were driving one of our cars. 29 hours to make the trip. Back then, it would take several weeks. It would take several weeks for this letter that Paul wrote in Rome while he was under house arrest in prison to make it to this place called Colossae. But it was so important that he had to get this to them. That's why he uses words very carefully. And that's why I believe every word in Scripture is there for a reason and is very important. Even the name Aristarchus. Say that with me. Aristarchus. Aristarchus. Somebody last week made a little joke, and I thought it was great, about the guy we talked about last week, Tychicus. You know, when he's little, his friends probably just called him Tick. But his mama, whenever he would get in trouble, come over here, cuss. You little cuss, get over here. Maybe Aristarchus' mama did the same thing. said, you get over here, little cuss. But Aristarchus is a man that Paul mentions here, and we need to pay attention to him. Paul's greeting is much more than just something formal. He actually has over a hundred different, different Christians that is mentioned with him or he mentions himself within his letters and in the book of Acts. Over a hundred. But we only know of three or four. Paul. We know of Luke. Timothy. We know of Titus because there's books named after them. But Paul mentions Aristarchus here. So what is significant about him? Well... I believe we're going to begin to see that he was a humble man, that he, he was a man that had a remarkable dedication to his God and to his Savior. He was a man of faith and of great courage. He was a man that you would want your children to look up to. He was a man that would, you would be honored to have in your home because he was a man that made the tough choice that when the going gets tough, the Christ follower keeps going. So today, let's kind of look at who is Aristarchus here in the Scriptures, and let's kind of flesh this out. Now, we're going to be going over to the book of Acts, which is to your left. If you want to go ahead and flip that way, we'll be in chapter 19 first. But Aristarchus is mentioned here in chapter 4, the book of Colossians, in verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas, cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Now one of the first things that I want us to know about Aristarchus, and this is important, is that he was a Macedonian from Thessalonica. Those are big words, Macedonia from Thessalonica. Acts chapter 19, it actually refers to Aristarchus as one of Paul's con traveling companions from Macedonia. Now, why is Macedonia important? Paul did not have plans to even go there. Paul had this idea that he, on his missionary journey, he was going to go somewhere else, but the Holy Spirit prompted him to go to this place called Macedonia. And he goes there, even though it made no sense in his mind, he had to follow the Spirit. He goes to this place called Thessalonica, and he preaches the gospel. Now, in chapter 20, verse 4, it's very clear how it is written that Aristarchus and Secundus 
of the Thessalonians. They are from this particular area. Why is this important? Because where you are from impacts who you are. Why do you think I speak just like God? i got the same accents as God does. Some of you got that. Because I'm from Georgia. This is God's country, right? Uh, you're from Maine. God, that's God's country too. But you talk like us now, Miss Juanita. <laughs> Here's the beauty of God. It doesn't matter what your dialect, what your accent is. God speaks just like you when you talk to Him, doesn't He? But this man being from Macedonia, part of his story was Paul came one day because the Holy Spirit led him there. This guy grew up in a Gentile world, more than likely. And Macedonia was, was a key part of that region in that area, but it was very heavily idol worship, and it was close to Greece, so a lot of the gods were a part of the cities that he lived in. And Paul was not planning to go there, but the Holy Spirit leads him there. And because he's in Macedonia... There is something big that happens in his life. He became a Christian. Second thing we know is that he is a Messianic Jew. Now, what is a Messianic Jew? It is a Jew who follows Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Savior. Now, this is important as well. Because Paul, in his missionary journeys, have been pursued by the Jews. He would go from, from one town to another. They would leave that town and follow him to another town just to persecute him, try to get him stoned to death and killed because they were so against Christianity as a Jewish person. Aristarchus grew up Jewish, just like Paul did. He was a man who understood the Ten Commandments. He knew the Old Testament. He knew what it was to be in the synagogue. He knew what it was to make sacrifice. He knew what it was to memorize Scripture. Aristarchus was a man that grew up in a religious world. But one day, I believe, he heard a man speak about someone named Jesus Christ. And Aristarchus, the Spirit, dealt with his heart, dealt with his mind, and he believed. Now, there are a lot of... of of scholars who do not exactly know when Aristarchus came to know Christ, but I believe in Acts chapter 17, it becomes clear that as Paul makes his way to this place in Macedonia, it says in verse, verses 1 through 4, Now when they had traveled through Amphilus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. That's where the Jews would meet on the Sabbath, which is Saturday. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them, and for three Sabbaths, for three Saturdays during their service, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Not his opinion, not even his testimony. He reasoned from the Scriptures, talked about what the Old Testament said, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And here's the key verse, I think, that leads us to this idea. Aristarchus is saved at this, during this time. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. Some of them, not all of them. Some of the Jews remained Jews. They didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. But there were some of them that believed and began to go along with Paul and Silas wherever they went. 
along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. Now Luke includes this story for a purpose and a reason. And I believe it is for us to get a little insight into Aristarchus. Aristarchus one day is listening to this man by the name of Paul. And he begins to hear about Jesus. And because of the way Paul is teaching him from Scripture, he believes. He believes. But what happens in chapter 16 is the Jews get upset. And uh, they run Paul out of town. And, and, but he reasons with Paul, with the Jews, for three Sabbaths. Aristarchus became a believer and his life was changed forever. While he's there, he can see the danger of what's called the way. The danger of being a Christian. Because the people he grew up with in his church, in the synagogue, began to be against this man by the name of Paul who told him about Jesus. He began to see, man, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to lose some friends. I'm going to lose some popularity. I am going to lose some things in my life if I choose to follow Jesus. But Aristarchus, we are going to see, even though he understood that, he followed Jesus. Because in verse 10 of Colossians chapter 4, what it is that Paul does is he says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. My fellow prisoner. He is someone who is... With him, he is a brethren. He, he says that he's a fellow worker for the kingdom of God. He still, at this point in Rome, is following Jesus Christ. Now, it seems like nothing if you just glance over that. But Aristarchus was not really an official prisoner. We're going to look at that evidence in a second. He wasn't really an official prisoner in Rome. He was not under lock and key. But he made a choice to go with Paul all the way to Rome. Now, let me tell you how long it is between the time Aristarchus seems to come to know Christ and the time he's with Paul in Rome under house arrest with him. Nine years. Nine years he followed with Paul. He worked with Paul. He helped Paul. He was there with Paul. We know this because there were some miracles taking place in Ephesus and it was all due to Paul. And you can read this in Acts chapter 19 where there were so many miracles that they would even take a handkerchief that Paul had had and take it to sick people and sick people were getting healed. Now that's pretty powerful. That's pretty awesome. But this is going on and then there was this guy named Demetrius who got upset because this preaching about Jesus was going to affect his bottom line. See, Demetrius and some of his friends, they made these little idols that they sold to the people in the town of Ephesus. And if he keeps talking about this Jesus, then this idol that we're making of this Greek god is no longer going to be popular. People aren't going to buy it, and I'm going to lose money, and I don't like that. That was Demetrius' stand. Money trumped what Paul was preaching. So what happens is Demetrius gets this stirred up and he gets his friends all riled up and he gets the people in the town all riled up. And you know what they do? They run and grab some of the followers of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 19 verse 29. The city was filled with confusion and they rushed with one accord into the theater. This is kind of like one of those things you'd see a picture where there's, there's these seats that go up and then it goes down and there'd be a stage and stuff down there at the bottom. They rushed... 
all in one accord into the theater, dragging along two people, Gaius and guess who else? Aristarchus. They are dragging Aristarchus. Now remember, Aristarchus is from where? Macedonia. Ephesus is in another place. He's been following along with Paul, learning about this Jesus. Paul is discipling him and growing him. And Aristarchus is right there. And in Ephesus, he encounters a whole bunch of people who are dragging him into a theater, wanting to just absolutely kill him because they're a follower of Jesus. Let me tell you. The going gets tough when that happens. For hours and hours and hours they are going after these men. They begin to chant about the Greek God being the true God. And they are under attack and there's no one there. Paul tries to get in and his friend says, don't go in there. Stay out here. Do not go into the theater. Aristarchus and Gaius are there. And they were traveling companions of Paul. And they're being attacked by the entire city. Let me ask you a question. Let's make this real. If Christianity became unpopular, would you still show up at church on Sunday? If Christianity became something that would cause you to be an outcast at work, would you still be here next week? If being a Christian would cause your best friend to call you a bigot and walk away from you, would you still consider yourself a follower of Christ? Whatever line you draw is what's before God. Whatever it is that will keep you from confessing Christ in the midst of when it's difficult is the very idol you need to deal with in your life. Aristarchus is dragged into this theater and there are hundreds of people yelling and chanting and screaming. They're wanting to kill Aristarchus and Gaius. But the mayor steps up and says, Look, guys, this is getting out of control. And before they realize this is a riot, the Romans, and they come in here and kill all of us, we need to bring it down a notch. If we really have a charge against them, let's take them to court. If not, let's let them go. But for hours they endured. How precious is your faith? Can you imagine standing there in that theater, hearing all kinds of things yelled and screamed at you, being called names, all because I confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? You know what would happen to many of us today? We would begin to compromise our faith, wouldn't we? We begin to say, well, I see your point. Maybe you're right. Maybe, you know, there is one God. Maybe there is some different ways there. You know, you got your religion. I've got my religion. We can just get along. We're just fine. We're good. You know, you, you enjoy your religion. You keep to yourself. I'll keep to myself. Aristarchus would not do that, nor would Paul. Aristarchus and Paul proudly said, I am a follower of Jesus Christ regardless of what it's going to cost me. For some people, maybe in this room or those listening or watching, being a Christian may have cost you something. And can I tell you that in the moments when it costs you something, you feel like maybe you're wrong. But let me tell you, you're not. Jesus Christ 
is the one and only way to heaven. He declared himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I will stand on a mountaintop and declare Jesus Christ is the only way to God and to heaven. There is no other way. It's not Allah. It's not Buddha. It's not being good. It's not being tolerant. It's not accepting other people. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. There is no other way. And I understand one day, one day I may have to stand knowing that any moments I may be arrested, ridiculed, drugged through the mud. Because everything I say is going on the internet and when it goes on the internet it's there till the end of time, right? Will it be used against me? So shall it be. Because let me tell you well, who's first in my life, Jesus Christ. It's not the opinions of other people. It's not popularity. It's not what other people think. It's not tolerance. It's not, it's not compassion. It is not the characteristics of Christ. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that's number one in my life. Aristarchus was a man who understood, he saw, he experienced the persecution. And Aristarchus had every right to say, you know what, I'm done with this. He, could, he should have walked out of that theater and said, you know... I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to Macedonia, Thessalonica. I'm going to hang out there. I'm going to live a quiet little life as a Christian. I'm going to believe, but I'm getting away from this man named Paul. He ain't nothing but trouble. He's too mouthy, and he voices his opinion about Jesus way too much, and he gets me in trouble, and he didn't even show up to help me. He had every right to walk away. But we don't read of him saying anything like that in Scripture. As a matter of fact, you'll find in Acts chapter 27, you're going to find this very interesting. Acts chapter 27 verse 2, Paul has been on his third missionary journey that took four years. He goes to Jerusalem where he is arrested and he is put in jail. And then he goes to Caesarea and he is there for two years. Two years! Now remember, Aristarchus has been with him since Macedonia. And here's how we know this. Because in Acts chapter 27 verse 2, when finally Paul appeals to Rome and he's going to get on a ship and begin that journey that's going to take another year to get there, look what the Bible says in Acts chapter 27 verse 2. And, in, and embarking in a, dr dr a drumination ship, that is so hard to say, I didn't even get it right, which was about to sail to the regions along the coast of Asia, we put out to sea, accompanied by, guess who's accompanying Paul and Luke? Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica. Aristarchus has seen the trouble Paul has been in. He has been around when Paul's gotten him in trouble. He has experienced trouble, not just some name-calling, but some serious physical attacks as well. It has been hard, but we see in chapter 27... That when Paul is about to be going to Rome, there's only two people with Paul. One of them's Luke, who's writing the book of Acts because he uses the pronouns we a lot. He's on board with Paul. And the other one is Aristarchus. A man we haven't heard of. A man that people don't talk about. But here's a man, look at his dedication. When the going got tough, the Christ follower said, well, I'm not stopping, I'm going to keep going. It gets hard, it gets rough, but I'm going to stick with it. And that's the fourth thing, that he was a man willing to risk his life. He was a man willing to risk his life for his faith. What about you? What are you willing to risk 
for your dedication and faith to Jesus Christ. I'd love to stand up here and tell you how great it is to be a Christian because there's a lot of wonderful things and hope and peace that you can have. But being a Christian is not getting easier in our culture. It's getting more difficult and it's becoming the wrong thing to even profess. But I got news for you. The culture does not find truth when it comes to Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus is still the same today as it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Jesus Christ is the way. We have to make a choice. Are we going to be an Aristarchus or are we going to just compromise and live with the idea that, well, what you believe and what I believe is fine. I'll just keep quiet. You keep quiet and we'll just be all right. You know what you say when you do that? You say, it doesn't matter about your eternity. It only matters about mine. Always be praying for those not open to hear the gospel. That God will penetrate their heart and their mind to hear and receive that the truth about Jesus will change your life. It will change your life. Obviously, it had to change Aristarchus for him to do all that he did. Jim Elliott said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim Elliott died being a missionary, trying to reach an unreached group of people in a jungle. After thinking that they were gaining some ground and being friends, there was a teenager one day from that tribe that killed him and his friends, brutally murdered them. He gave up his life so that those people could hear about Jesus. And then his wife who could have just said, you know what, this Christianity thing is just too hard living in a jungle. I'm going back. I'm going to live in the United States and just practice my Christianity in my own house and get away from this crazy world of the jungle. She didn't. You know what that woman had the audacity to do? To continue to minister to the same tribe that killed her husband. When you read their story years later... That entire tribe, they have a church, they're followers of Christ, and one day the man that killed her husband confesses to her. It says, please forgive me. I am the one that took your husband's life. He was now a believer. But if she had just turned and walked away and said, this Christianity thing is just too hard. I just want the easy road with Christianity. I just want to feel good on Sunday, not let it involve me on Monday. I just want to confess it when it's nice and all my friends are talking about Christianity, but I don't want to talk about it when there's people who don't want to hear it. The call today is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called, when Jesus bids a man to come, he bids him to come and die. To completely die. The focus is this. We have to choose to focus on Christ's purpose and partner with those doing the same. Aristarchus, that was his focus. He understood Christ had a purpose for his life, that Christ had a mission for him to be engaged into and to be involved in. And because he understood that purpose, it caused him to not back down, but to move forward with more passion 
and more drive. And when he heard this stuff from Paul, God had to move on his heart because as we read in Acts chapter 17, it said that Aristarchus, it doesn't say that Aristarchus, but some of those fellow Jews, those who were, were of the Jewish faith, decided to follow Paul and Silas. And then we begin to see Aristarchus here and there. Throughout Paul's life, he did not leave Paul. He was with him right here in Rome nine years later. We have to choose what the purpose is for our life. For many of us, the purpose has been to make a living. But there's too many people making a living and they have no life. There are too many people today that has chosen a purpose and a mission that is not about God, but it's all about them. It's all about how they look to other people, what other people are going to think about them, how they're going to be perceived. And let me tell you, that will lead to destruction. You do not have to talk the language of the lost to reach the lost. Can I say that again? Maybe it didn't sink in. You do not have to talk like the lost to win the lost. You need to talk like Jesus when you're around the lost. Because the lost will not care what you have to say if all you say is the kind of things they say. The kind of jokes that they make. You use the kind of language they do. Let me tell you, when you choose to follow Christ, your lips no longer belong to you or the person next to you, but those lips belong to Him. This is a tough, difficult message today, but it's on my heart. It's what God wants someone to hear. Stop playing being a Christian. It costs Jesus His life. Stop just... Carrying it around like, a, like an emblem or a necklace. Make the commitment to be a follower of Christ and put Him first and stop playing the part of Christianity. Aristarchus was a man who made a choice. He made a decision. He said, I'm following after Jesus and I'm going to partner with this man who's doing the same thing, who's building the kingdom. No matter what it costs me, I am going to stick with this mission and this purpose that God's given to me. See, it says in verse 11, it says, And also Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. There were only two people with, with Paul who were Jewish. I like this. It was Jesus and Aristarchus. Now, Jesus, who is called Justice, but think about this. I hadn't thought about this till I just read it. The two that were with Paul in prison who were from the Jewish faith was Jesus and Aristarchus. The Jewish people were critical to the faith that we have today. In case you have forgotten, Jesus... Our Messiah, our Christ, was Jewish. We follow a Jewish man who was fully 100% Jewish, even though we are not. His love transcends that and has given us a great birth. 
So Aristarchus stayed with Paul nine years. What drove him to do that? He understood the purpose and mission was to follow after Christ and he was to be first. His eyes, his lips, his ears, his hands, his feet, everything about him was to pursue God's calling for him and not what was comfortable and easy. Not what made him feel good or others feel good. Not what seemed to be right to the culture, but what was only right to Jesus Christ. See, Aristarchus would choose his own death for the salvation of someone else rather than his reputation to make him look good. Aristarchus knew that you're not ready to die unless there's nothing left for you to do for God's glory. When it comes to God's purpose, there are some things for you to understand. And these are some things that I'm sure Aristarchus knew. God's purpose, His calling in His life to be with Paul, to pursue Christ, it was for no personal gain. Number one, it's not for personal gain. It's not to, to, to bring you anything. It's to give it all to God. It's for Him to get glory. The second one is, not only is it for, not for personal gain, but you keep going even when it's hard. You don't quit. You don't give up. You don't question. You don't begin to wonder, well, is this right? You stick with the idea that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is first and foremost. He owns your lips, your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet. And what you do will be based on what He has taught us and led us to do in grace and mercy and obedience rather than what others think. We are living in a society and a generation is growing up with this idea that you've got to please people and make other people happy. You've got to get likes. You've got you've to be the person that people watch your views and you get 2.8 million views. or things. We have a generation that need us to pray like never before. Because I'm here to tell you, each and every one of you, it's not about what other people think. It's about God. And what He's done for you, which is what we need to keep our focus on. It's not about popularity. It's about choosing. It's choosing Christ even when it's hard. When your teacher, your professor, berates you for being a follower of Christ, it doesn't change the fact who you follow. There's another thing that I would say about your calling, your purpose. You would do it or you'll die. There's no way to get out of it. You have to pursue it. And it, all this has got to be wrapped into God getting the glory and not you. You would do it for absolutely nothing and for free. You do it not for yourself, but for Him. That is a calling and a purpose. So what must we do with this? How do we embody this? Well, we have to make a choice. We have to choose to live on mission for Christ. A lot of businesses, a lot of companies have got mission statements and they've got these things that is good for their business and it helps keep their employees united. Let me tell you, you are on mission, every one of you. You have been called for a purpose and that purpose is to pursue Jesus Christ, to grow in your faith. Let me simplify it this way. Jesus modeled and He wants us to care for one another. Caring is important. To be mindful of one another and to connect with other believers and to connect with the lost and to tell them about Jesus so that they can connect with Jesus. 
So we're to care. We're to connect. We're to equip people. We're to help people grow. We're to disciple people. We're to help them understand that this life is tough. And when the going gets tough, the follower of Christ just keeps going. And we need to engage in ministry. Engage in helping people. Engage in doing things that really promote the kingdom of God. See, notice that Paul writes about these two fellow workers for the kingdom of God. Not for Paul's self, not for Paul's name, but they were workers for the kingdom of God because that came first. I guarantee you, one day when I talk to Aristarchus in heaven, I'm going to ask him this question. I'm going to say, Aristarchus, tell me, did Paul ever say or do something that caused you to choose Christ over him? Was there ever a moment that the great apostle Paul had said something or done something and you had to look at the apostle Paul and say, I can't follow that, Paul? Because it'd be interesting to know, did Aristarchus ever choose Jesus over following Paul? I would venture to say yes. I'd venture to say that he made that choice to do as Jesus had called him to do. He chose to live on mission for Jesus Christ. It's not an easy choice. It's a hard choice. The second thing is this. Partner with someone who is pursuing God's kingdom. Partner with someone who is pursuing God's kingdom. It might be a pastor that you listen to or you watch on TV. It may be somebody in your family. It could be a friend. It could be someone in this church. It could be someone that when you look at them, you go, that person is pursuing the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, it is not simply the one that stands behind this pulpit pursuing the kingdom of God. You should have plenty of choices in this room. Because each one of us should be pursuing the kingdom of God. Let me go as far as to say this, and I'm going to step on some more toes. If someone could not look at you and say, you're pursuing the kingdom of God and I want to partner with you in some way. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage you this week. If somebody can't say that about you, then you need to be in this altar getting things right before a holy and living God. Stop living the lie that you've been living and give yourself over to God completely and totally and, and surrender yourself to Him. I'm sure there's a few toes hurting after that, maybe. Maybe not. But the truth is this. We should not have to search hard to find someone pursuing the kingdom of God when it comes to the people in the church. So today, I challenge you over the next seven days. Here's your challenge. Encourage someone pursuing God's kingdom. I want you to think of somebody who's pursuing God's kingdom and I want you to encourage them in some way. See, Paul said that they were great encouragements to him. Because people who are pursuing God's kingdom, I'm just going to be real. Pursuing God's kingdom is not always easy. And sometimes you get discouraged. Sometimes you want to quit and give up and just go get a job at McDonald's. As a matter of fact, that would be too hard. I just want to go get the job where you just stand there and you turn the stop and go sign on the street so that cars can go by and let somebody tell me when, when to do that. 
I've been at that place in my life. I'm not there now. I'm, I am so encouraged. Love what I do. Love you guys. But I'm telling you, just because someone's following God's kingdom, pursuing after that, doesn't mean they don't get discouraged. So who knows what would happen this week? If you pick somebody, maybe that you normally don't even encourage or talk to, who's pursuing God's kingdom, and you send them a note, you give them a phone call, you do something to say, thank you for being a light. Thank you for pursuing God's kingdom. There's your challenge for the next seven days. To put into practice and to action what we've read from the scriptures today. So Aristarchus. A man many of us that had not even heard of when we came into the room today. But Aristarchus is now a man that when you walk out of this room, when you finish listening to this, I want you to know... Aristarchus was a man of true grit. A man that in the face of difficulty decided the follower of Christ does not back down and give up, but continues to pursue Christ with every ounce of his being. Today we have a mission. There are people that don't want to hear what we have to say. And I am not up here to tell you that you need to be in people's face and just beating them over the head with the Bible. That is usually not going to work. But what I'm saying to you is don't back down from your faith in Jesus Christ. Let them know that there's really true hope in Jesus. Give them an opportunity for God to work and open a window in their life. And when the going gets tough, you who follow Christ, keep going. Pray with me. Father, today... I am encouraged by this man by the name of Aristarchus. Because Lord, I know what it is to understand and to experience when it's tough to be a follower of Christ. I know what it, what it is to be called names and to be attacked. Lord, I know what it is to be someone who just needs a break from it all. But Lord, I also know what it's like to have Aristarchuses in my life that have come alongside me to encourage me and my wife and my family to, to say something at a particular time or send a text or a card or a phone call that has just been that thing that's reminded us of your hope, of your way that we did not choose to follow you for our own benefit and glory, but we chose to follow you for your glory. Lord, today I pray that one, we will be Aristarchuses that will, that will keep going when the going gets tough as a follower of Christ, but we'll also be an Aristarchus and partnering and connecting with other people who are pursuing God's kingdom and encouraging them to don't quit, don't give up. You're doing the right thing. That they are loved. Where people who pursue you are also, are also persuaded to get discouraged, to get down. So let us rise up, Father, as your followers. Let us live to the example of Aristarchus to encourage people and to give our whole life to you not just our attendance on Sunday morning.
Lord, today this message has not been easy. It's been a hard message. It has been in your face and on your toes type of word. But God, for those who do not know you, those who've just played church and pretended that they were Christians and thinking everything's going to be okay, God, you convict their heart right now. You penetrate their mind. You let them know that they are lost and they're on their way to hell and they need Jesus Christ in their life. Let them know that they still need to choose Jesus over themselves. Lord, right now, convict their heart and may they cry out to you and say, Father, forgive me and take over my life. Father, it is for your glory that we live. It is not for our reputation, our fame, our fortune, our power, our pride that we pursue you. We do that because you loved us so much that you gave your one and only son that if I'd believe in him, I would not perish, but I'd have everlasting life. Father, may I live true to the commitment that I've made. 